Hello and welcome once again to episode 141 of Code Completion. We're a group of iOS developers and educators hoping to share what we love most about development, Apple technology, and completing your code. My name is Dimitri and I'll be your host once again for this episode and I'm joined today by my fellow completionist, Spencer. Hey there. And uh, special super completionist Ben is joining us. <laughs> hello, hello. How are you? Good. I'm doing good. Excited to be here. Thanks. Uh, so before we get into anything particular, uh, we have Swift evolution updates as usual. Uh, Swift is constantly evolving, and I think that's a good thing for the most part. Uh, first on our list are three uh, three proposals that did get accepted. Uh, so that is the init accessors, uh, which allow you to like provide uh, initializers within the property wrapper that get called upon initialization. So that's pretty cool. Uh, we have actor isolation interference with property wrappers, so you can now do better things in property wrappers without actors yelling at you. Uh, and we have generalized conformance macros as extension macros, which uh, just makes uh, macros a little bit more extensive uh, in general now that people have had a chance to use them. Yep. Those were all proposals that we've talked about before. We're just These have just all been accepted, right? Yeah, that's why I'm just like zooming through them. Cool. Uh, yeah. There is one minor one that had an update, uh, and that is that arbitrary macro names in the global scope uh, are, I think, no longer allowed because that just caused the type checker to, to have a panic attack every single time. Uh, so that just simplifies things on the compiler team side. Um, uh, but you can still do them in non-global scope. So uh, it's just a new restriction that... Uh, now that everyone has a ch had a chance to use them, everyone realized eh, this is probably not a great time for this. I think another example of that is the count where, uh, which was a pr a proposed property on collections where you can get the counts where and then you pass in a predicate. Um, mm -hmm. And that was accepted years ago. But turns out the compiler was not too ready for it because it conflicted with just count uh, and then just mm -hmm. had like an aneurysm every single time you tried to use one or the other. So it was immediately like shelved um, and it's being re-brought up now. So that way, hey, maybe now is a good chance now that the compiler has been rewritten a few times uh, mm -hmm. to reconsider something like that. So um, always cool to see those proposals kind of make their way is in and out. Um, and it's just like a general reminder, like anyone can go ahead and go to the Swift farms and pitch like a change, like count yeah. where is just a property. It's anyone could write that. It's just Swift code. Um, it's just, uh, should we include it in the standard library? Yes or no? And uh, it seems like, yes, that's in general a good idea. And maybe then was not a good time, but now it's. And if you have a similar property that you think generally is something really good to have, then go ahead and pitch it. So on to more exciting things. Uh, ben, I think you've been hard at work over the past seven years making an app. And it's finally <laughs> come to come out. Can you tell us more? Sure. So I don't. I don't know if it's been seven, but it's been quite a while, way longer than than uh, I should have taken to build it. Um, but uh, for the first time since 2014, um, I am officially an indie app developer again. That was the last time I had an app in the app store that was not connected to my, uh, you know, my main job. Mm -hmm. um, Nine. I think that's so, seven years. <laughs> yeah. So, so it's been it's been a while um, since I've been kind of independently in the App Store, uh, and it's it's really kind of cool and exciting to be to be back, you know, in the in the indie club. 
Um, the app's called Solark, and it's basically, uh, it's essentially a weather application, but it also has um, the idea around it that you might want to, uh, for one thing, track a whole bunch of locations at the same time. Um, mm-hmm. Let's say you have friends and family that don't live near you, colleagues, things like that. Um, and you want to understand not just maybe, uh, you know, whether it's raining there or not, but also uh, sort of what time of day it is. Is it a good time to call someone? Uh, that kind of thing. Keep an eye on things like alerts. Should there be a strong storm or something that comes through there? I want to know that. Um, so uh, Solark was designed basically to to help with that. And it's something that I um, sort of was involved in a Twitter conversation with a whole bunch of people about it uh, in 2020, uh, shortly after the pandemic started um, and worked on it a bit. And it was focused only around really just sort of the time of day and things mm-hmm. like that, solar information, essentially. Um, and then... <clears throat> and I worked on it for a while and and then I just, I couldn't really sort of figure out an easy way to, to monetize it that would make sense that I thought would make sense. So, uh, and then, you know, also just stuff got in the way and <laughs> COVID and all that stuff. So uh, got shelved for a bit and then worked on it. If I look at my commit history, actually, I worked on it in 2020, in 2021 and in 2022. So I did spend time on it every, all three of those years. Um, but uh, the, the major sort of, effort to get it finished was uh, was done in uh, May and June of this year. So I picked back up and um, and really wanted to get it done and get it out there. Uh, and I so I incorporated weather data as well, largely because Apple, uh, you know, several years ago bought Dark Sky and then turned it in, into WeatherKit. Um, and so it really simplified the process of in- integrating weather into your app because it's just a framework that's built into iOS now. Um, and you get, it's a pretty generous free tier. You get 500,000 calls a month before you have mm. to pay Apple. So um, also pretty easy from a monetization strategy of expense at least, right? It's, it's not gonna, it's gonna be a while before, uh, before I probably hit that cap. So um, worked on it really diligently over the last couple of months um, and, and finally got it out. I wanna say it went live either last week or the week before. It's been, it's been out for like, I think like a week and a week and a half. I've been in a beta for a while, so it's, I'm trying to remember which which of those milestones <laughs> that I remember was that it was it the beta or was that the release? But it was it's it's only been out for a bit, but um uh, well received so far. Few few uh, good ratings on the app store already, um, and hopefully just going to continue to grow it. I did start up some Apple search ads, so first oh, time nice. that I've done that as an independent developer as well. They didn't exist when <laughs> when I did this last like ten years ago. So um, lots of new things to learn. Uh, about kind of how to market and promote the app, um, which is, it's fun. It's been fun to kind of learn more about like, you know, how do you go about that in 2023 versus versus a long time ago? Um, so it's been it's been fun and I'm excited about the, the 1.0. I already have a bunch of ideas, including some ideas that you guys as beta testers have, have put into my backlog. Um, we were and, harsh. Uh, yeah, <laughs> harsh but fair. Like you, you guys had a lot of really good, Really good. All the beta testers had really good feedback, and I've got a nice little collection of improvements and things, mm-hmm. and new feature ideas in my backlog. Um, something else that I did that I really liked was uh, I tried to be a little bit more formal, uh, even though it's just me, about kind of tracking the work um, mm-hmm. and being diligent about about that. So I use um, an app called Linear, which is a uh, despite being a what is probably an Electron app. It's a Mac app, but it's really a web <laughs> application. Uh, it's, it's gone less the, garbagey over time. I can say yeah, that. <laughs> it's like probably the best web app app that I've ever used on my Mac. Um, and and even whether whether you do it in in that interface or you just are straight up in your browser, uh, they have been very thoughtful about their design. 
Their design is very keyboard shortcut centric, so it makes it really quick and easy to use. It's it's pretty intuitive. It's got a lot of cool um, automation features around like moving tickets around automatically and stuff. So um, again, even though it's just me, it's probably a little bit of overkill, but I, I really enjoyed kind of, uh, it's been very motivating to kind of keep track of that stuff and also see all the work that I did. I mean, I started tracking, yeah. uh, getting it out to 1.0, I think sometime in like either, it was like late April, early May is when I kind of really got into it. And just that part from that, from, from that to release, not including the other work that I did in previous years, um, it was a hundred points, a story points worth of work, um, that I completed in like two months. So, um, and that was really cool that like, even if, so as a tip, like, even if you're just one person working on stuff, not saying you need to go crazy overkill on, on these things, but, but actually having a way to kind of track what you're doing, what you're doing next, and and maybe most importantly, see what you've already done. Mm-hmm. Uh, it can actually be really motivating to help you go like, yeah, I, look, I completed 60 points worth of, worth of work. I got 40 more to go or whatever it might be. Um, and it, it really can help you, I think, to to maybe get motivated and stay motivated in a way that that I've struggled to, to do as, you know, a single person shop um, for a while. So that it's, it was a, a technique that I picked up that I... I can recommend. So, yeah, I think that's especially important when you're doing this on the side, uh, like not yeah. your main right. focus of time during the week, because right. it's so easy to feel like you got nothing done, um, yeah. and you are like making so little progress that you might as well just like eh, I'll skip today, um, right. and then just continue not making progress. Yeah. Um, so, having <clears throat> some sort of system, uh, whether it's like checking counting your tickets or writing a pr for every single thing you do right. or uh like developing open uh and letting yeah. other people know like any one of those right. techniques can be a huge motivating factor uh because it it helps you keep track of all the hard work that you've been doing right mm-hmm. right yeah for sure and 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 what i found that has worked for me is with linear there there's this idea of um it's not a thing that's unique to linear, but there's this idea of cycles kind of rather than uh, basically like a sprint, right? Just sort of an amount of time that you block off and then you put work in it and you try and complete that work in the time that you have, right? It's a fairly universal concept in in programming. But um, what's cool about linear is that uh, it sets it up and runs it for you. So you don't have to kind of the logistics of like, oh, I got to make a thing, a bucket and put a bunch of things in it and then make sure that that bucket is properly time blocked and then... When it's over, I have to deal with it and move things. Basically, what happens is you just you set up a couple little settings inside Linear and say, I want my cycles to be this long, and I want you to automatically create maybe one or two in the future that I can kind of use as a place to put future things. I want you to automatically move tickets from when we're done that weren't finished to the next one. So, yeah. um, And then, of course, all the statistics about it are also tracked completely automatically. So again, whether it's linear or something else, I found that kind of stuff to be really helpful because uh, I set mine to be a week long because it's just me. I don't I don't need it to be super complicated. Um, it was just the seven days, including you know Monday through Sunday. Um, and what's really cool is they so instead of a people might have heard of a burn down chart before, particularly in agile, where you start with a number amount of work, let's say a number of stories or tickets or whatever. And, and as you complete them, the chart goes down to zero. And ideally what you want is to get to zero when you're done. That's, that would be a perfect, a perfect cycle. Um, doesn't usually happen that way, but, uh, but that, that would be the ideal. 
for whatever reason, Linear decided to do a burn up chart instead. So they, you start, you actually kind of have like a goal line in the graph and you mm -hmm. start at the bottom. And as you work on things, your, your, you know, the line kind of catches up with it. Up, yeah. Up to the top. Um, and they do two things. They give you basically the goal line, which is the number of stories or the amount of points that you have in your cycle. They give you the, um, num a line that shows you the stuff that you've started. And then another line that shows you the stuff that you finished. So it kind of gives you like three ways to look at your progress. Um, and again, I found that very motivating to like, oh, look, I'm, you know, halfway through the week and I'm about halfway through the, through the amount of work that I said that I was going to do, or, oh, I'm falling a little bit behind or, oh, I'm actually ahead or whatever. Again, it's, it's not a, not a big thing, but, um, I found it to be really valuable to, to see that. And then, uh, what you can also do is they give you kind of a history. So you can go out to this, what they call the cycles view. It shows you all the ones that you've done so far, um, and the current one and like the one or two that are in the future. And they give you little stats on like, you know, you did 83% of the work that you put in the cycle you completed during that time. And you can see that kind of go up and down over time and it's, it's, it's nerdy data stuff, but, um, <laughs> but I found it to be for whatever reason, it works for me. It may not work for anybody else, but, but as a, as a tip, I've like, like you said, right. It can be hard to motivate yourself when you're just one person. Um, and, and this is a process that, that has worked well for me and I basically plan to continue to, to do it because um, I found it to be kind of a winning strategy, but uh, any, anything you can, I think anything you do to kind of, if you like checking things off or maybe you don't like doing that, or, you know, you got to kind of figure out where, you know, where your motivation can be found. And then if you can find something that helps you support that, ideally maybe with a little bit of automation. So it's not like annoying to manage. Uh, I've used other systems before, again, by myself. And in, in particular, it's bad when you're by yourself because you kind of feel like you're, perf if you have to do a lot of maintenance of this thing that you're using, it's like, I'm kind of performing all this work just for me, mm -hmm. just kind of I'm performing it to no one. Um, and so I think that was part of what I struggled with when I've used other things before. Um, and, and this being, uh, you know, it's not obviously completely automated, but but having some automations built in to kind of help move things along for me just automatically i was like oh okay so now this is i feel like i'm leveraging this now rather than just mm -hmm. sort of me like dumping a bunch of data into something on the work that i'm doing and then having to do a bunch of things to make it useful to me i put in a little bit i create tickets and i just basically change statuses and for the most part the rest of it just does it for me and uh, it's like oh now i feel like i'm kind of leveraging the tool and getting something out of it and it's, it's i found it to be a obviously a lot more effective because I went three years without shipping this thing. And in a matter of like two months, I got organized and managed to get the one point out. So, you know, I, I guess I would call that a win. Yeah, definitely. I think that's, uh, I mean, I've used things like even Trello for sure. my own personal projects in the past, yeah. you know, and it's good, but yeah, it is a lot more manual. You have to change the status and move it over manually and stuff. So this seems like, a better middle, not even really like a middle ground. It's like you kind of get the best of both worlds without yeah. all of that work that comes from kind of being in the middle, I suppose. Right. And Trello yeah. is very flexible, right? But it, but that's yeah. kind of like a strength and a weakness sort of because, right? Because you're like, oh, it's great. You can kind of do, you can plan anything in Trello, which is true. But then to me, it kind of feels, I used it a bunch, but it kind of feels like eventually you're like, well, now I'm just kind of moving things around. That's like moving the down. Around. Like, what am I getting out of it, right? That's the downfall of Jira too, right? 
you can customize yes, it so exactly. much that it becomes this behemoth that you have to wrangle right. at every moment. Um, right. And it's almost better to have something that's opinionated that has a methodology yes. built in yes. that you're not fighting. Like you're just going along right. with that met- methodology and it can help gamify the whole process, right? Uh, sure. Turn it into something that yeah. you're not putting a huge amount of maintenance into, but you can like get that, that little dopamine rush when you check things off and, <laughs> and right. uh, feel yeah. like you're, you're doing uh, good progress because most of development is like banging your head against the wall. And yes. it's not necessarily like when it's smooth sailing, you feel like a genius. Uh, and yes. when it's not, you just feel like you shouldn't exist and you go right. all the way down. Um, right. So having some little thing to make you feel like, uh, even though this is partly only 80%-ish good uh, and I right. hate it, I can at least check that thing off and feel good again about making yeah. that little inch of progress. So Yeah, um, and I, I think I put things those in there like uploading important. Yeah, I did things like putting tickets in there to that were basically like zero weight, right? To say, I submitted the build to App Store Connect that oh, is yeah. for like the final build for submission, right? Like that was a task that I put in there, which silly and it's going to take me two seconds, but but it's it, a reminder, it, you know? Yeah, it's a reminder, and it's like, and then it was really fun to go click done, like I did that, right? And <laughs> yeah. then and then I had and then I had one that was, uh, you know, ensure all metadata was accurate on the listing for the app store so that I can then say submit for review. And again, it was like, okay, I've, I've reviewed it all. I'm going to check that off and I'm going to hit the re- submit for review button. And I had this like very satisfying sort of completion of, of the work, which was, it was really fun. It was, it was, it was I've been a long time since I've hit the submit for review button for anything that is just mine. Um, and it was really cool to do that. Not to mention, you probably get to add that ticket in three times because of all the yeah. various app review shenanigans. <laughs> I, so I actually did have to submit three times. So you're right. You were exactly right. Yeah, it's I always got, three um, with subscriptions, I think. Yeah. What's and what's inter- really interesting is uh, while I was I was disappointed, of course, I was not surprised at all, but I was disappointed. And it was two things that they dinged me for. They now so this is and I've heard, been hearing this from other devs too that like now. They want you to have your privacy policy and terms of service, <laughs> terms of service, or your EULA inside the description, mm-hmm. which is those are not clickable links. Yep. So I don't know how a user is ever going to use those at all. Yep. Plus, a little while ago, they added a privacy policy like section in the submission mm-hmm. metadata that has mm-hmm. a link that is a re- that no, you, they you need one in the thing. A real link, but you still need it in the description, which makes no mm-hmm. sense. And then they were telling me uh, the other two things. I don't think I got the we can't find your subscription thing, which is like a classic. Yeah. We spent three seconds looking at your app and we couldn't find your subscription, <laughs> so we're going to reject you. I didn't get that, fortunately. But I did get we cannot – so this is this one was infuriating. We cannot add a city. So the way Solark works is uh, it starts out with – it's empty, right? Because we don't know – I don't know what app, what cities you want. So you click on the plus button and you have two options. You can either add your current location, which is a floating – uses core location to go – fetch your current location display data or you can pick any city in the world that you want and it will then do that and you just type in the city name so pretty i think straightforward like i didn't get any major complaints from any of the beta testers during the process like i can't add cities right and yeah and i got a rejection saying basically we were unable to it was like core functionality was the rejection or something like that we cannot we, we cannot figure out how to add a city or we cannot do it and they're like please see attached screenshot so i'm like what is like i what are you talking about? Like, did you not find the plus button? Did you not like <laughs> find the search bar? Like, I, I don't know. So I look at the screenshot and of course I'm pretty sure it was like, 
you know, my app is not yet designed for iPad. So it it's runs taken on, on an iPad. iPad. They do all it's testing taken on, on iPad, an iPad, right? So it's the little mini iPhone screen on a giant iPad. Um, and then uh, they, they had, they were showing the search box and there was no results. Um, but when I looked in the upper right corner of the status bar, I saw that it said SOS on it, which unless I'm mistaken oh is no cellular service, which would make sense if it was just an iPad in an office. But yeah. I believe that also means no Wi-Fi. Like they have no network connectivity at all, <laughs> right? So then I was also like, a, well, a very old rejection. Like I can tell I've been rejected for both of the things you mentioned really? before wow. years ago, many, many years ago. Uh, ever since subscriptions were a thing, you had to have uh -huh. the terms of service in the thing. Uh, and yeah. ever since apps were a thing, you had to have a screen that shows when you're not connected to the internet. And it's it's just like a part of this ever-growing list of concerns <laughs> that you need to have in the back of your mind writing an app for the App Store. And yeah. it's a little bit unfair, but some of it is fair. Like you're, a user might be dumb enough to not have That's a true. network connection, right? That's true. You just don't so expect I, yeah. that to be the default testing mode. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah so to be fair, I did not have anything specific in my app that that like alerts you to the fact that you have no internet connection at all. Um, so in, in light of their rejection, I went in and I basically added during the search process um, and also when it goes to update the weather data, um, if there's no internet connection at all, it now shows you a toast message that tells you, hey, there's no internet. Please, essentially, please connect to the internet and try again. Like, there's nothing I can do <laughs> yeah. about it, but like, at yeah. least you know that that's what's wrong, right? Um, and and then specifically, uh, it it tells you that instead of showing you no results, which is what it was doing mm -hmm. before, because it was assuming. And the thing is, I'm not even doing a regular network network request. I'm actually using the reverse geocoding built into Core mm -hmm. Location or MapKit. Um, so the network request itself is actually being handled by Apple, like not even by me through the through the frameworks. But anyway, I, I resolved it. I got rejected again for the same reason. And this time I, I said, well, now it's giving you alerts that you're not connected to the internet. So I can't fix your internet problem, but I can, <laughs> I can tell you that like, it should be telling you at a minimum, if you don't have internet, that you're not going to get a result. And so, and then what's funny is when I kind of like very starkly pointed out that then it's accepted. You need, an, you need an internet connection. They immediately accepted it for that. And then I had nice. one, it was like one more, it was like the third rejection. I had one more IAP related nonsense that I, that I resolved. And then, and then they approved me. Um, and what's funny is it seemed pretty clear that they, they, as, as soon as they find a rejection, they reason, they basically stop and they yeah. don't, yeah. they don't go any further. So the problem is you'll get, you'll fix it. And then if they find some other reason to reject you, they'll just give you that. And so then you could yeah. just like dribbled out, collection of reasons that are you know why the app won't be submitted or won't be accepted you i mean work them one at a time for for a service we pay for because we do pay 99 dollars right. a year for that's this, true uh yeah. which is not super expensive but not trivial either um sure, yeah. you would expect some basic amount of like professional yeah. like discussion yeah. regarding this sure for instance the not having internet connection is not a deal breaker of your app functioning right Right. But it is something you might legitimately want to know. Like you did sure. not think about the scenario where most people sure. like always have an instant internet connection. Sure. It's like the app is not going to work. They could have just told you, hey, we're right. not going to immediately put this on sale, but we wanted to flag with you. Hey, right. you don't have this functionality. We right. realize your app does work in the majority right. of the situation. We'll leave it up to you to fix or just click the button if you don't sure. care. 
Like well, that would clear, have been an excellent yeah. <laughs> response to that particular yes. problem. But they didn't even like the like the the uh, the mediocre version of that. They didn't even do because they didn't. The rejection was not your app doesn't work when there's no internet. It was we could not add a city. Here's a screenshot. They never actually volunteered. They didn't in the try. Description. Oh no, yeah, they exactly. They, and they didn't tell me that the reason that they didn't tell me that they didn't have internet. Right. I had to mm-hmm. sort of infer that from their screenshot. And I probably had I not noticed or had it not been as obvious, I would have just been like, I don't. What are you like? What are you talking about? I'm for one thing, I'm using an Apple service. So if you're not able to get location data returned to you, that's actually there's nothing I can do about that. I mean, yeah. it's, where, where are you? Why, why don't you have the ability to talk to Apple servers and get the location data? Um, but it, it, in this case, it'd have to be no internet. But it was just you know, it, it, it's just it's very clear that they that the process is. It, what's funny is it almost feels like a no human automated process. Like it almost kind of has that vibe of like we ran it through some thing and it like spit out some random crap at us. And it's a rushed human wrong, process, right? Yeah, it's a very rushed human process, which I kind of feel like I I really would rather go to either side. Like go to do what Google does, where it's just basically a bunch of checks for private APIs and and spyware and other you know automated things that they do, and that's it. And otherwise, you're good. Or I'd rather go to more of like a, what they claim it is, which is which is a yeah. we carefully curate all the stuff. Because, I mean, how many times do they say that? And then the next day it comes out, oh, an app got pulled from the app store that was like at the top of the charts because it was literally scamming people out of, you know, what, $20 a week on some silly yeah. subscription that, that you know, was not legitimate. It's like you, you kind of can't have it both ways. Like either you either. They had a screen that said they were and, offline. Like, I don't know what you're... <laughs> That's all they need. I mean, honestly, are... I don't think any of the reviewers really check the internet connectivity of your app unless it's absolutely necessary. Right. Because so many developers have, like, scammed the system where they check, yeah. oh, is Apple connecting right now? We're going to show something right. special and not, oh, right? Yeah. Uh, that has yeah. been done ad nauseum, mostly because Apple uses their, like, own private IP block. Like, how right. they can circumvent this is go on cellular. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and no, no, no. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or like do a review one week later to like catch right. uh, any fishy behavior. Like there's so mm-hmm. many things that Apple could be doing to protect users, which is why it's so funny right. every single time that right. they like bring up that reasoning. Because for all intents and purposes, and I've been vocal about this, I support the fact that we have app review. I think it's sure. a good thing to have. Yes. However, it is so poorly implemented uh, and so neglected in terms of a service that it could actually be for the developers sure. submitting and for yeah. users, sure. like respecting that protection that they're getting, that it sure. might as well not exist at this point, right? Yeah. I mean, in many ways, it's very, very similar to like the TSA at airports in the United States, right? Like it's this thing that has this goal. They don't really do a very good job of trying to, of actually achieving that goal. And the people who have to interface with it are like inconvenienced and annoyed every single time they interact with it. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. that's exactly what app review is. No like, one feels it's safe not really, because it's not, yeah, it's not protecting, yeah. right. It's not protecting the users in a real way. Cause scam apps, very prominent ones get to the top of the charts frequently. Yeah. The users of it, us, right. The developers are constantly inconvenienced and annoyed by all the silly rules that aren't, that don't, that aren't written down and don't really make a lot of sense and whatever, but you just have to do them anyway, because it's, you know, David versus Goliath. And, and then what we end up with is a, is something where, you know, despite what they say, lots of stuff gets through that just isn't, shouldn't be on the store 
And then probably also lots of stuff that maybe should be on the store isn't because either they submit and submit and submit and eventually give up because like, oh, it's not worth it. Or they devs, devs don't even make the app in the first place because they think, eh, I, I don't know if I can get this through app review, so I'm not going to bother. Yeah. Right. Like it's the, the ambiguity of it just makes it so that, you know, just we, we end up with worse, worse apps kind of overall, I think, because it's so unclear. Um, yeah. And it cheapens it really the products does. at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. It really does seem like a luck of the draw situation where <laughs> maybe you do get a good reviewer and they, they're good at their job and they have Wi-Fi enabled. Right. And you can actually, you know, test the app where it's just someone that wants right. to fly through apps or whatever. I mean, I don't think that exists. You get lucky and you get a reviewer that didn't care enough to reject you. That's what being lucky yeah. is. Fair, yeah. Sure. They spent so little time that I was like, it looks fine to me, moving on. They didn't check to see if your thing worked. Um, right. Like, I don't think that exists. But, like, going back to, like, the terms of service, they could fix this, right? They have the tooling, especially mm-hmm. now with StoreKit getting UIs, like, pre-built yeah. Uh, yeah. that do all the right things that I'm yeah. sure someone is going to be rejected for. Oh, it's going to be the 100%. funniest thing ever 100%. to see that. Yeah. Uh, it's like, oh, my... Uh, my screen got rejected. Uh, guess who made the screen? Apple. Um, so, like, that is going to absolutely be a thing, and I'm going to be here for it because it's going to be hilarious. However, <laughs> like, at the end, do you remember end user license agreements? Yeah. We don't think about end user license agreements because do you no. know what Apple did when they launched the App Store? They said, hey, they made we realize that. most yeah. developers don't want to think about end user license agreements, right. and therefore, here is one that we Apple provide right. that should cover right. the majority of cases. And if you are a special yeah. developer and you want a special one, you can sure. upload a special one, but right. you don't have to, they could do right. that for a terms of service and B privacy policies that would cover the vast majority of cases. Yeah, and right. for anyone else who doesn't like have that or like needs to collect data because they use Firebase or whatever, uh, they can right. go ahead and supply their own. But for the vast right. majority of cases, they can make it simple. If you use that screen, they could detect that during the automated part of mm-hmm. app review and give you the little blurb in your description. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Or even as a nice thing under the description that every user now has to see. Like, right. there, there are or make so it many... clickable so that they actually work. Because like in yeah. the text, it doesn't do anybody any... Is, <laughs> yeah, someone gonna, is someone going to transcribe the raw URL that they see with their eyeballs into their browser to then go no. look? Of course not. Like No one's going to do that. No, you take a screenshot can... and then you tap on it. ironically enough works yeah that's true but once and what's funny too is that i don't even have a term i don't have terms of service because there's like i'm not doing i'm no location data ever leaves the app um i don't i don't send any of that up the 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 only thing that i do so i have analytics i have i use telemetry deck for analytics which is a nice uh sort of independently built thing that's not firebase that is not scary um, and I do like really basic stuff. Like, you know, I get things like the version number of the operating system and like I get basic user accounts and things like that. So very, very simple. And that's privacy, not terms of service. Right. On top so of it. it's ve- yeah. So it's, that's very, very simple stuff. Um, and then, so I do have a privacy policy where essentially I wrote one that I essentially went and found like a popular, I think I maybe got the one from, I don't know. So I, I picked some popular indie app and I was like, let me just steal their privacy policy and then, yeah. and then edit it. Because I mean, it's, it's okay. They stole language. it too. <laughs> yeah, right. So, and then what I ended up doing is I deleted like most of it because because my privacy policy is like, you're going to use the app on your phone. If you give it permission to to have the floating location, then you've granted that. 
you give me the city name that you want and that data only sits on your phone yeah that's it like that's the end of like there's no, i don't have users there's no like uh like a login right there's no there's no account or anything so uh very simple privacy policy i put it on my website for the app i link to that in the app in settings so if you go to privacy policy it just shows you that web page right right makes it so that way if i ever update it, it's really easy um now you I need to market privacy... 17 plus because you have external web access <laughs> It's true. It's true. Uh, so, but then Be I careful. link it in the privacy policy section of of the app store, uh, and then they wanted me to add it to the description. Like, fine. And then the for a, a terms of service, I don't have one because there there just isn't really enough there. To, I don't even yeah. need one. So, and I use the standard EULA that they give me. So, but they so what's crazy is they made me link the EULA in the description, which is their EULA. It's not mine. It's yep. theirs. And it's like, you already know this link. Like, why don't you just standard in the same way you do the privacy policy, just automatically link to it. Um, and then, and then there you go. You've, you've got what you need that, that by the way, no one is ever going to look at for even two seconds, right? Like no, no one is going to read that. Uh, it is, it's funny, the performative nature of some of this stuff like that. We have to have it for legal reasons. It's like, but literally no yeah. one is going, I bet you probably no app store user, probably not none, but like probably what? a tiny fraction of 1% of the app store users have ever even looked at the EULA or even those things, let alone, you know, thoroughly read through them. Well, you yeah. did, you copied someone. So you looked at it. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. That's true. And then, well, and, and but one thing that I didn't get dinged on was I'm almost positive. I don't have my, the EULA or the privacy policy linked on the, on the paywall, which is the thing that used to make you do. Um, and, and I don't have that. Because it's linked in the inside settings. It's already, if you want it, you can get to it there. Or you can get to it in the App Store. Or it's on the website. Or like, you know, it's available everywhere. Um, and they, did, they didn't ding me on that. I think it's in part because my guess is they probably didn't even look at the paywall. So I have three ways you can upgrade inside of the app. You get two locations for free. If you want more than that, you got to pay. So I have a regular paywall in settings that you can get to. I have a call to action in settings. It's like a little sort of header sell that I put at the top if you haven't paid to get you to upgrade and you can and you can upgrade immediately right there it doesn't take you to the paywall first it just lets you just buy it all right away and then the third thing is if you're in search and you've already got two set two locations selected you know entered then it says oh you can't you can't add anymore please if you want to have more locations and it's the same it's like a call to action so my guess is that probably they tested one of those other two call to actions and not the paywall which means they never even looked at the paywall, so they don't. You know, They're they saving don't it for version one point one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'll probably get rejected. The next build that I do, I'm probably going to get rejected for the paywall. I bet. Mm -hmm. And that's how it works. Yeah. Uh, so you, it, it's it's very funny knowing what you're going to be rejected for, but like just waiting for it to happen. Yeah. You don't have to do the work until you get rejected for it, right? So yeah, you might I'm as just well wait, just like right? punt yeah. it. Um, as yeah, long as yeah. as long as you're cognizant of it. So. Yeah. And I plan moving on with 17. I plan on moving over to the Apple paywall when it's, you know, once I can ship that. Because um, then hopefully <laughs> there won't be any reason to reject me for that. Although we know that, right, like you said, it's it will be pretty funny the first time we see like a 9 to 5 Mac article <laughs> or something about like developer gets rejected for using Apple's paywall. Um, and I think it's partly because they I don't think they train their reviewers to know like what the modern stuff even is necessarily. Nor do they have the time for it. Well, right, yeah. Like it reminds you know, me of the the not the chat bots, but the chat people that you actually talk to 
on right. these sites are talking about like a to a dozen people at the same time yeah just going yeah. round robin trying to get as many at once and it's it's like frankly abusing labor right um for uh perceived uh customer excellence mm-hmm. um so like yeah app review is not two weeks anymore and that's a good thing but it's kind of useless yeah. now like i don't yeah. see the point uh so i'm not saying that apple needs to like fire all the reviewers uh, I am saying, however, that I really think Apple needs to very rapidly rethink the system. Uh, yeah. Perhaps make non like searchable and non like you have to have an external link to the app. Make that no review or like the yeah. current version of review, which is like the mm-hmm. bare minimum of what basically what Testlight has, right? Right. Uh, and then if you want something that's actually published in the today view and you want all of that, sorry, it's going to be a hell of a process, but you know what you're getting at the end of that. Sure. Like you have an actionable list of things and like Mm -hmm. a limited amount of times you can waste their time. Mm -hmm. uh, And until then you have a thing you can link to. Right. But at the very least, you know, like what you're working towards uh, is potentially getting featured. And if you're like, they say, Hey, your app looks, like shit, uh, we're not going to feature this. It's not going to happen until you make your app look better. Right, and if you think right. you're making your app look significantly better, but still looks bad, it's still not going to be featured. But at right. least you know that it's not like, yeah. uh, uh, th- I think it looks good. I don't see the problem with it. Like that doesn't help anyone at the end of the day, right? right? Like right. be terse, be be vicious. Like sure, but like make that have a good right. end goal. If like yeah. we have all of that anxiety for not even getting it on the app, it's like what's the freaking mm. point? Anyways, yeah, the rules of the game they're written down. But the problem is, it's not all the rules, right? Like the app store review guidelines is yeah. is extensive, but it's also not all of the rules. I mean, I, I'm sure we've all been rejected either for personal apps or professional apps before, where you're like, wait, why am I getting rejected for this? What is <laughs> nice? Uh, you know, so. Yeah, it's it's it'd be nice if they just said what all, even if they are kind of you know overly uh, verbose or maybe a little draconian or whatever. Like even if they just had a book that had all yeah. the actual rules that you could get rejected for, that I would, can make that me pull out the book again. <laughs> <laughs> what What's interesting about this whole thing is it's like okay here are three app developers that have been doing this for varying amounts of time. We all know that the system is broken and we all know that the app store is essentially Apple's cash cow. That's how they make the most money. Yeah. Things like, Hey, make it so that you can link to the EULA in the description and not have to screenshot it. Like that's on Apple. That's not even on us. (laughs) That's my point. It's like for a system that for app developers built by app developers, in this app store built by app developers at Apple. That's a lot of app. Um, and then it's ostensibly for the users, right? Like this is all in, exactly this is all in support of trying to make the user experience great. And there's so many ways where it's not, right? That it just yeah. seems... They, I mean, it, well, it shows you the difference between sort of um, good enough and maybe genuinely excellent uh, in the sense that if, if good enough is making you just obscene amounts of money... Why would you Why make stop? it excellent? Like, you know, I mean, they, they make, I think they make their hardware uh, as good sure. as it can be because that is literally a selling point and it gets them to, to sell more hardware. 
But I think on the app store, generally speaking, the apps are great and, and people obviously are, are using the app store a ton and getting all kinds of apps, big and small. And, and I don't, my guess is that the calculus around let's spend a bunch of money to make this excellent, I guess just, it hasn't risen to the point where it's deemed necessary for yeah. the next level of business for them in that, in that category. And so they go, well, good enough is good enough, which, you know, I, I get that. I understand that, that idea. Um, but on the other hand, we're not talking about even necessarily excellent here. We're just talking about No, like and I think the developer's sentiment is that it's not good enough in right. general. I think yeah. most developers are not satisfied with how it is. But right. again, we're, we're the minority and we're just working for Apple. So Well, and in one sense, we are clearly the revenue generator for that, right? And in another yeah. sense, we are also kind of the cost center, right? Because they have to spend hundreds of millions or billions of dollars to develop technologies that then we use to build things. They also have to host all of the apps. If any app that's free, obviously we, you know, developers don't pay anything other than the hundred dollars a year to, for the privilege of doing that, right? There's, there's, there's bandwidth costs. There's all that stuff. They have to pay all the app reviewers. I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not defending them. I'm just saying like from a, yeah, yeah, no, we, totally. We are both a source of huge amounts of revenue because they take their 30%. But we're also we're also a cost center um, in many ways, and I feel like it's. I guess it's. It it seems like the sentiment inside Apple, and I don't know have any little birdies over there that can tell me this, but it seems like the sentiment over there is that the the cost center perspective is kind of winning compared to the revenue generation thing because when you see things like the Epic lawsuit and you see the ways that they. They say what they say in marketing and, and developer conferences and stuff, and then they say what they really think when they're being deposed, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that uh, that I think they think that all of the customers that exist on the app store that that use maybe even mostly third party apps are their customers and not and are not the customers exactly. of the individual developers and companies who built those tools and those apps, um, and so they feel perfectly entitled to all of that money. In a, I think in a very non-ironic way, like they just think that, like, yeah, of course, like of that's course, what this it is, is our money, right? Yeah. These are our customers. It's like, well, they wouldn't be your customers if it weren't for all of the third-party developers that have yeah. built those apps and maintain those apps and take those support calls and 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 manage, you know, the the experience for those cust for those users. Yes, Apple's involved in that, but but the the great effort there is is on the developer side, um, and I think. So I, 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 my personal opinion is that I think the sort of like they're a cost center. If you're going to think one of two ways, they're a cost center, they're a revenue generator. I think they're a cost center kind of wins in the minds of of many executives and stuff over there. Yeah. For 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 good or bad, I mean, I don't, I don't I'm not necessarily going to pass judgment on whether that's the right <clears throat> way to think about it. I, I don't think it. I don't think that it is. But but I'm not the only. And yeah. my, my voice doesn't really matter at all. So it's just, it's just a matter of, of how they think about it. And I don't know, it just seems like, because otherwise, right? Like I mean, if we're assuming rationality here, right? Otherwise they would be making these changes. Like, like how hard would it be to make it so that the EULA shows up as a clickable button? That's my point, the dude. They have That's to like update person's... web objects. That's going to be too much effort. <laughs> yeah. That's right? one person's afternoon, dude. Yeah, exactly. It's a ticket so, of linear. <laughs> 
So if you're if you're thinking about it logically, yeah, right. If you're thinking about it logically, then the only conclusion is that they're not doing it because not because they can't or because they don't know how or any of that. It's because they don't want to. They don't see that it, it's important enough to do uh, because good enough is good enough, right? And yeah, and and in, and the thing is, they're mostly right because look at it. I just released a brand new app on the App Store a week ago or whatever right like i clearly um they're winning in the sense that they we're we're still we're still apple platform developers i i I think i disagree with the the we're still winning sentiment because when's the last time you went on the app store to search for an app legitimate question uh where it's been a hot minute where you're saying not where i've heard about an app and i'm looking it up but like where i'm just trying to find an app to do x yeah. Right. Uh, I'll take seven old, years I, as an answer, <laughs> or more. I think significantly I, more. Yeah. So I think the last time this happened legitimately was was the family. My family was doing a little bit of research into like an app that could help track like gift wish lists for each other because we got tired of using the Amazon one. And so I think last fall before Christmas, the family kind of whether it be through the app store search or just on the web or whatever, we kind of like looked around a little bit to see what was available. And we did find a third-party app that we like and that we use. Um, but I don't know that that was even necessarily found just by looking on the app store. We might have been, we might have been looking through social media. Through, I, don't, yeah. I don't remember mm-hmm. how we found it. So it's, it's possible that that doesn't count uh, since we may not have actually just found it by searching. And was and the w- app store the first thing that you thought to, oh, let me check the app store to find this app? Uh, it was in the it was in the list, but I, I don't know if it was first. It may not mm-hmm. have been first. I mean, because part of the problem is like it's not very good. Like when you you know when you yeah. search for stuff, it doesn't it it doesn't uh, you don't find what you're looking for usually because it's full of games and things that are not related. It's like casinos for children. <laughs> yeah, yeah, casinos for children. Yeah, I mean, even when I was doing some competitive research for Solar, like trying to see like what other. I was looking basically both at weather applications, which are, those are relatively easy to find, at least like the popular ones, because you type in weather and you get you get Apple weather, and then you get all the other you know weather dot and weather you know the the where they do like it's called weather, but it has like a weird Unicode character at the end of it, so that it can show up at the front. Um, uh, but then, like when I look for things like sun sunrise and sunset times, things like that, which Solar also does, uh, that was a much more of a mixed bag. I got some like photography related ones and stuff. Mm. Um, and then I also got games that had to do with the sun, which was like, hey, that's not what, it's <laughs> not what I want. That's not. And like high, like high on the, I mean, way up on the, on the mm-hmm. search list, you know, the first, within the first 10 results, I'm getting games that have, you know, some vague reference to the sun in it. And therefore it's showing up as a, and I, and I put in things like sunrise, sunset, you know, I tried to look for keywords that, that would get me where I wanted to go. And it wasn't even, they weren't even yeah. that good. So I think that's part of the problem is, is right. Mm-hmm. Like, and I'm sure that's the point you're making, right. Is it's, it's, it's difficult to do well because their search feature also kind of isn't that great. Yeah. And, and the, the larger point I'm trying to make is any goodwill that Apple won at the very beginning with the app store. Yeah. I think has slowly waned to the point where they're still writing like sure. it as a positive, right? But sure. soon it's going to dip into the negative territory and they're yeah. not going to be able to rebuild that because right. so much of developer sentiment has just gone away. Like we don't right, care yeah. to help support Apple be a better company because it helps us, right? right. No one 
uh, no one developer is thinking about Apple being successful. And like we're thinking about various <laughs> individual things. Like we want Swift to be successful. I don't care about sure. Apple being successful anymore. Like they are yeah. the most successful company. Like why should I try to help prop that up? You know, like when yeah. they were the little guy and when they were actually fighting with quality, it's like, yeah, go get an Apple computer. Like you won't regret it. Why am I? I'm not going to bother nowadays. Um, yeah. it's, it just doesn't bring any benefit to to me to do that, especially when I like suffer through all the little pain points that Apple like makes me go through every day, whether that's just right. the software being broken because they're not focusing on it or the app store being stupid. Um, like there, there's going to be a tipping point and I don't know when we're going to see it, but once we do see it, I think it's going to be very hard for Apple to like turn the tides. Yeah. And I think a lot of that is going to be forced by government. Um, mm-hmm. And Apple is not going to be able to really reverse the the trend there um and it's it's going to hurt their future products like i don't know if anyone is really going to bother putting tons of development energy into the vision pro for instance because Mm -hmm. like why why should you go through that effort if it's not going to necessarily do well and all that and you don't even believe in it right right like it's a vicious cycle that's going to bite them in the end um and it's not going to end well uh, but one last thing I wanted to say was so much of what you said reminded me of the the delicate interplay between YouTube and their creators, you know, mm-hmm. of how much yeah. YouTube basically yeah. depends entirely on creators yes. and how much they basically don't really care about yeah. them. They care about advertisers no. uh, more. Right. Um, right. And in, in Apple's case, it's not so much like developers and advertisers, but it very much is developers and selling iPhones. Um, right. right? Um, and they just see us as a means to selling iPhones. Um, mm-hmm. And they don't realize the value that we brought to the table to sell those iPhones. Right. I think that's, that's where, where their disconnect is. Uh, and therefore they see us as something they regrettably need to support because they opened right. the floodgates. They should have kept them closed and everything would have been fine uh, is right. probably the way they see it. Uh, when they don't realize that the revolution of the iPhone wasn't the fact that it was a portable phone. It was the fact that it was a portable computer that you can do anything on. Um, right. And that's that's where their shortcomings and are. That you don't have to rely on the four terrible apps that the phone maker puts on the thing, right? <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. If the, if the iPhone 14 had the same exact apps on it that the iPhone 1 did, uh, you know, 15 years later or whatever, I don't think it would be nearly as popular even if apple had gone on and made numbers and you know and had added like their other mac apps to it let's say it went from i don't know how many were on the first phone but let's say there was 12 apps on the first phone and now that now it has maybe you know 20 apps right even if that were the case it's small it's niche thing just like the yeah, uh, mac be, was like yeah, that's yeah. where it would or, be or a trio or something right i mean and like you know the, the palm pilot that whole generation of, of products was revolutionary and 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 industry changing and i'm not saying that it wasn't a valuable sort of step in our progress of portable computing but but like the trio which is kind of the last of the palm pilot based devices that was that even had a phone built into it um was very cool and it did actually have an ability for you could run like third-party apps on it but it was like awful for i never developed for it but i but i heard stories about how it was just like really really difficult to get it built and then get it out there and make sure that you could market it so the get it through review (laughs) 
Yeah, like it just wouldn't, it, it, you know, it, it just, we wouldn't be nearly where we are today if if we lived in a world like that on the iPhone compared to, I mean, I have, I think I have like 150 something apps on my phone right now. Yeah. Almost all of them were not built by Apple. They were built by somebody else. Um, and many of them are fantastic. And then some of them are pretty terrible, but I, you know, I like we, in the neighborhood we live in, I have one for the, for the gate so that I can like let people in or whatever. And it's like, it's a terrible, it's not even, I'm pretty sure mm, at some point we've done several changes where, where the aspect ratio changed and it forced you to have to recompile. And this app is so old that it, one of those it got caught up in and it, so it doesn't even full screen on my on my iphone 14 it's like takes up a smaller space and it's it's this like it was clearly designed by someone who probably has never built has never designed for the iphone before it has like a very web i'm pretty sure it is a native app but it has a very like web like mid-2000s web kind of vibe to it on the design (laughs) it's like but even that like it works. I can use it. Right. And and I'd much rather do that than call over there and have to constantly tell people who are coming, you know, visitors are coming or whatever. It is even, even it's terribleness is better than the alternative of, you know, either calling or having to, you know, email someone or whatever. So um, yeah, I think we're, we're just the, the, the value of that is I think immeasurable. Like you just, Apple can't measure it. I don't think the world can measure it. Um, the, it's it's really it's really cool and exciting, but also kind of sad that that like that much value was created by this huge community of people, and yet, you know, in some ways, the most important person we want uh, validation from Apple, the, the collection of people, right, is like they're kind of they're kind of like validating us, but in sort of a in a yeah. very like superficial way. Like, great job. Here's a giant check of hundreds of billions of dollars of your money that you earned uh that we're gonna claim that we gave you. It's like Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I earned that money and you took some of it as a tax. That's that's what's really happening here, right? Um so it's it's like exciting and and at dub dub i get super pumped and i'm excited for the keynote and i always um, like vision pro came out and i was like holy crap this is amazing you know it, i i definitely get sucked into the to the hype train but it's also in calmer moments it's also kind of a little sad like a little disappointing that you know it could be better right it could be so much better if if they did even a few small things like <laughs> Like the yeah. stupid EULA. Like, yeah, imagine how exactly. much, how many claps they would get for, hey, you don't have to put your EULA or your privacy policy or terms of service in the description anymore that no one will be able to use. Instead, there's places for you to put that so that it's linked and, you know, it is whatever. I guarantee like a nine to five Mac article would be written about that. And we'd all be like, yeah, thank you. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so on on a slightly happier note, Uh, Do you have any particular features you plan on adding to the next upcoming version of SolArk? Anything you're excited about? A real Buzzco conversation considering that the whole point of this was like, (laughs) when you come on the show and announce the app. But but anyway, uh, yeah, so um, uh, I do have some exciting ideas that I want to work on. So the biggest one for me is to make a widget because it doesn't currently have one. Um, And I'm actually still using Apple's regular weather app, pretty much just for that one function, just to have a widget on my home screen. So that's, that's my, the big one that I'm working on to try and, uh, try and get out there. Um, 
So I want to do home screen widgets. I want to try and do a lock screen widget, uh, and maybe even some Apple Watch complications. I cool. I think I can do that without having a WatchOS version. I'm not positive on that. I don't know if you guys know that, but I think I can make complications even if I don't have an actual watch app. I also want to make a watch app because I've never I've never made one in production before. So I think that'd be fun just to learn how that works. Part of the excitement of this was really that it is a fairly simple idea, but it has like these broad, like wide-reaching opportunities to mm-hmm. learn about different technologies and stuff. So, uh, but the big one is widgets, and then uh, I think one that would be really exciting is grouping. So that's something that actually. Uh, an idea that you brought to me, Trey, was um, essentially grouping locations together um, so that if you're tracking a whole bunch of locations, you can group by like friends and family or, you know, whatever. You can sort of slice and dice your locations in different groups. And I think would be fun is maybe even to like not just group, but also maybe even provide like summary data or something. I, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't as figured a that out yet, but yeah, as a widget, right? So yeah. So uh so there's all that that's that's all coming and then um and then I'm excited to now that so I I didn't put the beta on my phone because I was trying to be good a good developer and not do that on my on my carry phone um and also because I was trying to get to like 1.0 out for iOS 16 so I I really wanted to have a physical device to test on um for that but now that it's out and now that we're also only like what a month and like 45 days away or so ish from from iOS 17 potentially coming out, um, uh, I'd like to also get start start really heavily playing with 17 and and seeing how Solark does. I did run it in the simulator on beta one and it crashed immediately. So um, <laughs> so so uh, that's great. Um, and in fact, I actually submitted a uh, feedback to Apple about um, the weather. So it's called the Weather Service. Um, which is the it's through WeatherKit. It's how you get weather data. Uh, I'm getting er- I'm getting console. Eh, I don't know if I call them errors, but I'm getting console messages very frequently about it not supposedly finding data for the location I've given it, even though I get a full data set back from the API call. So I think maybe it's just a false report that the error the error or the have you tried Xcode just- 15 with its new console like filtering and stuff like that i i did briefly when i ran solar on on the first beta but it, since it crashed almost immediately i was like well i'm not really getting very far with this so but anyway Fair. i i want to i want to kind of jump into you know load it up in 15 mm-hmm. get it get it running on my device when i was 17 see, see what's working what's not working uh get all that resolved um so that i can have a build out for you know for 17 that's that's capable of handling 17 um so it's Apparently kind of only at Xcode 15, but iOS got to 17. Yeah, that is weird. I don't know. And we're on like watchOS 9 and it, it's a mess, dude. Yeah. Uh, and in theory, this. they're all like the <laughs> same, right? They're just all different flavors right. of the same thing. Um, and then we're at, what is what is the new version of macOS coming out in the fall? I don't oh, I have no clue. Uh, 15? 14? Is it? I think it might 14. be 15. 14. Because ever since 15? we got off of OS 10, now it's like, 14. well, I don't remember which number it is now. So we're on 13 right now. What are, is it? So Sonoma is 14. Yeah. <laughs> right. So we have 14, 15, 9, VisionOS 1, TVOS, right. I think, is 16. It, well, 17, I think. I think TVOS keeps keeps parity with iOS. So yeah. it'll, be, it'll be iOS 17 and TVOS. It'll 17. be 17. And A16, it's actually Watch M3. Isn't it, <laughs> isn't it Watch OS 10? 
Or am I getting ahead of myself? Is it WatchOS 9? I don't even know. I don't know. 9 right now. I should know okay. this better yes, because I, I write be so 10. many ad available statements uh, in my like <laughs> source projects. I have like all of them. And, uh, but like, I, I know the one where like Swiss Concurrency got added and I know none of the yeah. other ones. <laughs> nice. nice. Yeah, we're on WatchOS 9 currently, so it will be 10. Okay. Yeah, so I think widgets and grouping are probably my, my big things. And then if, if, uh, if I can, I want to switch to the 17 paywall. If for another reason, then just to see what all that, that's all about. Like, it looks amazing. Yeah, yeah it um, looks good. So, yeah. Nice. Exciting stuff. And, and I probably have another, I don't know, eight or ten tickets in my backlog of other things that I could do. Um, like, I think it was you, Dimitri, that suggested that. So, like, the way the, the arc works, it shows you the sun traversing through the sky. And you can see it for all the different locations. So, you you, you made, you had a couple different ideas around how you I could sort of change that so that let's say for example it lines up with a particular time zone mm-hmm. uh and then it shows you kind of like where everybody is in relation to that mm-hmm. um, oh that'd be cool because I, I did have ideas around that in the beginning that was actually part of the initial idea was to sort of focus around you where you are versus where the other person is and what the differences are so mm-hmm. and there's some stuff that's still in there like for example um it tells you for every location. It assumes you are the central point around which everything else orbits. So like all the other locations that you put in here that aren't yours, it tells you the offset of how many hours off that person is from you, whether it's yesterday, today, or tomorrow for them mm-hmm. compared to you, um, things like that. And I and I do have, uh, I even have data in there about like tells you how... Uh, I had some ideas basically about how to sort of compare them to you and what's different between them. And so I, I would like to I maybe continue to highlight some of those ideas uh, as well, because it doesn't seem to really do that in other, I've noticed in other apps, like, uh, you know, a lot of times there'll be sunset, sunrise and sunset times, but, but there's, that's, that's about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm actually using a, um, a mathematical calculation to determine sunrise and sunset time. So it, it's not dependent on a network call. For you just you put in the latitude longitude and it gives you back the times. Um, so I do want to switch over to WeatherKit actually includes all those times as part of its data payload. I want to probably switch to those because for one, you get a lot more um, values. So there's not just sunrise and sunset. There's also different sort of amounts dawn. of light are visible. Yeah, dawn mm-hmm. and and like uh, nautical dawn and like, and then like astronomical dawn and like it's anyway. Dang. So like to get into some more of, of those and give you even more kind of granularity around what's going on. Um, but I, I also want to sort of understand what people want to, right? Like it, mm-hmm. what's, what's kind of fun about this transition from just being like my idea and my sort of input into the, what the features are then there was the beta period where where lots of people gave me ideas, but now that it's in the app store, hopefully, uh, as the user base grows, I'd like to hear from from them too about what they want. Um, and I, it's I think it'll be it's a sort of fun new perspective on it because it's really just been mostly what what I think is reasonable. Um, but um, but I think it's going to be exciting to hear from users about what they might want because there's probably going to be lots of things that I would never think to do. Mm-hmm. But then once they present it to me, I'm like, oh, that sounds like a great idea. Let's, you know, let's do that. Um, so I'm excited to kind of hear what, what people think of it and what they'd like to see. Awesome. Exciting times. Yeah. Yeah. The system works. The system works. <laughs>
in terms of other announcements, uh, Codable Data Store has reached 0.1, which is not a 1.0. It's the inverse of that. Um, <laughs> so and I should immediately integrate it into SolarWorks and ship it in production? Uh, please, please exactly. do. Uh, expect data loss if you do do that, because <laughs> I, I already have like things I need to change about the, the underlying data format. So uh, don't, don't do what Ben just suggested. Uh, but uh, do start thinking about it for long term. Like I, I have, sure. I, I need to finish it at this point, right? So it's it's not mm-hmm. going to be left unfinished. I promise, pinky swear. Um, but it's 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 still something that's a few months at least off sure. of like where it needs to be for you to like ship it. But it's like feature complete, and I'm like really excited yeah. about that. So if awesome. you want to hear more about that, go listen to last week's commented out. I yeah. think I went into a huge amount of detail there. Uh, just wanted to let everyone know that since we recorded that, I did finish it, and then we posted the episode. Um, and yeah, uh, it's 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 a proper zero point one now. Um, so com- com- comparatively speaking, what what have you done so far to kind of what have you found that works for you to kind of keep yourself motivated to work on it? and uh, keep things moving forward? That's an excellent question. So uh, instead of having a, 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 a well-planned out linear with story points and all that, <laughs> I have a to-do list in the readme that I've been half sure. maintaining, half not. Uh, I think sure. I realized during our recording last week, it was like, oh, I got that one done already, and I didn't even delete yeah. it. Um, so that's my to-do list. Okay, um, sure. It is supplanted by... Uh, having issues in GitHub that I have not looked at, and therefore someone actually used Codable Data Source or something, and they're like, "Hey, uh, it doesn't load data back from when you're like restarting an app." Uh, and I just did not see that for three days, but they submitted a PR after three days, so I'm oh, like, "Nice, I saw the PR." <laughs> so that all worked. Um, cool. Uh, okay. But mostly, I've just been posting on Mastodon like daily yeah. or right. semi-daily updates of like, "Hey, this is what I got done." Uh, so far, and this is what I'm planning on doing next. And that is the tiny bit of accountability that, like, I hey, I really need to like post an update, or I need to make some right. small amount of progress there. So that's that's cool. what's been doing it for me. Um, nice. I mean, whatever I have, works, right? Yeah, I, I have not started on the app that I originally wanted to write that needed okay. this. Um, I, I reserved the name and apps are connect yesterday. So I guess progress, oh, there's, there's progress. Yeah. There's progress. Um, I, I did take a three month hiatus to like figure out how I want to store data, uh, as mm-hmm. one does. Sure. <laughs> Just, like gotta, gotta write a database from scratch first and then you can mm-hmm. draw the rest of the owl. <laughs> um, of course. And yeah, I, I, I'm hoping that I can stay motivated to actually finish an app now. Uh, that's always the the goal but uh yeah. we'll see where that takes me i don't want to make any promises yet and my guess is that working with codable data store in an app that you're building will probably be very helpful to find yeah. all kinds of things that you're like <laughs> oh this is poorly designed or i should change it to this or whatever you know you, once you start to use it you're really gonna probably uh make a i would guess a lot of progress mm-hmm. on it because it'll make things much clearer than when you're kind of thinking about it in the abstract of, well, how would anyone use this to do anything? Mm-hmm. That's, it's, it's a useful question to ask, but it, but it certainly, you know, using it uh, for yourself, right. In a real application, I'm sure will be, will be very helpful to, to yeah. that ball forward. And that was the prime motivation behind calling this a 0.1. It's, this sure. is the point where I can actually start using it up yeah. until now. It's like, well, you can 
save records you can't load them yet or you can't like do basic operations that just like oh hey you can use it and then when you restart nothing is there it's like oh great that's yeah if you can't crud with a database then then you're not you're you're not not databasing yeah you're not databasing (laughs) so uh that that was like my prime motivation the other prime motivation uh, was uh updating my chonky boy setup uh if you are new Mm -hmm. to the show this is my uh nas which is just a bunch of hard drives that are making a ton of noise in this corner. Um, and I wanted to update that to SSDs. Uh, now the SSDs have dropped a fair amount in price. Uh, so I have a pack of SSDs that I need to set up eventually. But I was telling myself, hey, I need to finish this first before I can do that project. Um, so me wanting to mess around and waste a lot of time with computers is what's causing me to waste a lot of time with computer code sure. <laughs> um, sure. and it's it's all a, a gratuitous cycle right? Um, right this is why i why i don't play games where you have to like manage and do work because my uh-huh. life is already a game where i manage and do work so i don't need <laughs> i don't need more of that um but yeah uh, I, I feel like i found a happy medium uh, that's working good. so far uh, and we'll see when i burn out that it's right. not working anymore <laughs> Well, I mean, yeah, whatever, whatever, I think that's, a, that's the key, right? It's not necessarily to do any one thing that any of us recommend. It's just to, to find the formula that works for you that can, yeah can actually move the ball forward. Uh, that's all I got to do. Yeah. In other news, uh, it seems like Apple uh, is getting the motivation to move forward uh, with a new internal Ajax framework to build the next generation of LLMs. Uh, and right. I guess for Siri... Um, it would yeah, be the, the, the prime use case. I'm going to be interested in, to know if they're going to like keep with their morals and build something completely in house without stealing every person's copyright information. And then like claiming, Oh, it was public use. So we can't reveal our sources. Um, uh-huh. like it seems like Apple is doing <laughs> an excellent job on all of that. I'm mean, not just Reddit, but open AI, like all, there's a whole bunch of lawsuits oh, now. Sure. I don't know if you've been keeping up with I mean it. I think it's, it's I think mess. Bard I think I think all of them basically did the same thing right they just mm-hmm. yeah. they trained on open data and then what also I thought was funny is that now they're it's starting to bite them in the ass because because they're now ingesting training data mm-hmm. that was itself generated and it makes by, it worse yeah it brings it down it worse to the average <laughs> yeah. significantly there's there, I immediately thought of there's a I forget which episode it is but there's an episode of Star Trek the Next Generation where they're dealing with with a problem where uh cloning and and the doctor explains this whole she has this whole techno jargon this techno babble thing where she talks about replicative fading where basically every time you have a new generation of clones you end up with like worse quality until eventually like mm. it, they they have trouble staying alive yeah, you, because... you hit an equilibrium that is not what you needed right <laughs> and i feel like this is just basically the ln just eating their own tail of like of crappy quality data yeah. and, mm-hmm. and making themselves worse which I mean, I think there's a lot of promise with it, but also I feel like sort of to the point that you made earlier about like them essentially just stealing a whole bunch of copywritten data and uh, and building a business off the backs of other people's work for free. Um, I, I kind of feel like that I, I I definitely took a little uh, a little um, a little joy out of hearing hearing things like, oh, it's kind of ruining it because they're they're eating their own dog food in, in a bad way. Ah, take like, that. <laughs> right. Yeah, take that. Yeah, so I'm... 
Yeah. So I'm I'm not dismissing LLMs completely. Like they have fantastical uses and sure. they have been a joy to play around with, right? We never yeah, had anything fun. close to this up until now. Um it's just unfortunate that the decisions to use like any and everything right. that you can look at, which right. is like it belongs to other people. Uh mm-hmm. and then you say, No, it belongs to me. Um like that is yeah. not the right way around it. Um <laughs> right. and yeah. Like making claims that, oh, no, we cannot show our references because it would prove that we stole copyright. Like saying that just kind of like ruins it a little bit. Um, So we'll see uh, how this like works about. Did you see the examples where um, they were, I think it might have been Midjourney that was creating images and and like a a warped version of like Getty images. Oh, yeah. We talked about that. Shows up in the, yeah. (laughs) so bad dude but it does have good uses in fact i wrote solo well uh so uh chat wrote solark's app store description i asked i gave it a prompt oh, and nice. asked it to make a description for me because i just I, i'm not good i at, mean to like, be fair long... you stole someone else's privacy policy so why not do the description i mean <laughs> right exactly <laughs> Uh, I'm not going to get any downloads from this. Um, so, <laughs> but, the but, app is anyway, authentic. We swear it, it is. It is. It's all my work. Um, so, but the so I, I asked it to write a description. and I gave it a prompt, right? And it gave me this very nice, very I feel like very fitting description. You know, as far as like the voice and what I've seen people write and stuff. Um, it made up features that it that the app doesn't have. Yeah. So it did hallucinate or lie or whatever you want to call about that because it doesn't obviously know, right? But the cool thing is I was able to take the block of text, I was able to bring it into my own editor, delete all the stuff that's untrue, and exactly. then and then change some of the language so that it just fits better with what I wanted to actually say. But essentially it gave me like a jumping off point. And I and I found that to be really valuable. And I think that might be where it is the most valuable mm-hmm. in that it is a jumping off point in various ways for various people in various industries. But this idea that, I mean, the like I think already some idiot lawyer has tried to has tried to submit yes. briefs to the court uh, arguing a case, and the and that there were exist. other cases <laughs> cited in the brief that were non-existent. It's like, yep, duh. Like this is it doesn't you know people are like oh it's lying. It's like no, it's not lying. It just has no concept of what truth is. Like it doesn't. It's yeah. not. It's you know. It's not. Uh, it's not sentient or any of that other nonsense people have been saying. It's just essentially a fancy word generator. Um, it's a good first pass like yeah what you did is like a perfectly like mm -hmm. ethical way of doing it where you're like okay let's have it generate this maybe i'm not the best at writing app store descriptions to make them punchy or whatever sure and then you go through and you're like well this isn't true this isn't true this could be edited and then uh yeah it's a draft right and then you, you kind of polish the rough draft into something that is actually usable right where Mm -hmm. yeah that lawyer that just like copy pasted it's like I'm still going to charge students. $500 an hour, but now I'm going to have ChatGPT do my work for me. I mean, it's yeah. genius if you can get it working. Right? Well, yeah. Uh, and then sure, the Ponzi yeah. scheme catches up with you. But that sure. brings up an excellent point. Like, we as humans, we are capable of doing that, right? We look at existing works, and yeah. then we modify them appropriately sure. uh, and take what we need and create a new copyrighted work at the end of the day, sure. right? Um, that's yeah. what we are capable of. And this is just another tool in that toolbox. Right. However, it is kind of irresponsible of a company to say, like, no, we're not going to show you the references because then it would prove right. that we're using copyrighted work. Right. Part of this, I don't think is that. I think that these tools should be allowed to exist 
even though they make use of copyrighted work because it's no different than us like referencing something as long right. as it is not presented as like here this is my creation i i the human did right. nothing after that sure. point but if you use that right. as a starting point and then like use it right. to trace and then do something new for like the artwork case or for right. the text case heavily edit and modify it to like the sure. parameters that you require i think that's totally reasonable and fine yeah. uh and it's down to the tools that are making like these a like these LLMs accessible, it's down to them to like put the work in to make sure that uh, it's it's giving real data that's not uh, something that is like fabricated and hallucinated, right? Um, right. Something that Tome that I I found quite impressive that they are doing is we are focusing on making sure that if you do generate anything that you can pull real references like that exists on the internet through Google. Right. Um, and we use the LLM to like facilitate the process to sure. get those references, but the references are real and they do right. pertain to what you uh, like need a reference for. And they won't exist. Right. Like if you try to say like, Hey, climate change was caused by uh, plants and not humans, it's going to say like, oh, here's a reference that actually says, well, it's actually caused by humans, not the methane right. released by forests. That's not right. what climate change is being caused by. Right. So I think that it's very important that tools like have that as a capability. Otherwise, mm -hmm. like, what's the point? We're just right. facilitating copyright theft. Um, right. We need to facilitate creativity and moving humans forward rather right. than the alternative. So um yeah that's that's i think one of the missing pieces from this current generation of ai where we kind of just took references and don't like don't preserve the references through i think the next generation is going to need to do that because it's it's not viable uh and two it's right. going to be able to tell when it itself used fake data to train itself if that makes sense um so i mm -hmm. think that is going to be pertinent yeah, um, very fair also, it was funny when they said Ajax, the immediate first thing I thought of was XML HTTP request, uh, mm -hmm. which I don't know if any of you had the pleasure of using in the early days of the web, but that was how you uh, built a web 2.0 uh, website mm. that did not reload to fetch data. You constructed an XML HTTP mm -hmm. request because, of course, you needed XML. You did of not course. need JSON. Uh, JSON right. was this uh, weird thing that you could just like write some javascript and then call eval on and you got an object and i was like what uh and then people just started putting javascript in these xml uh, requests that definitely had xml on them uh and that's how json was kind of born so uh i find it funny that they're using that term uh and yeah. it probably ages me to speak about like where it comes from <laughs> uh it's this asynchronous javascript something something um so yeah i found that funny uh, one more update on Apple's front uh, from Mark Gurman. Uh, it seems like Apple stores are considering to allow users pay, or not users, customers, uh, pay directly in-store uh, and then have something shipped to them, which, like, I don't know why we didn't have up until now. It's like you go to an Apple store and it's like, oh, we don't have that. It's like, can mm. you make it have that Order and then it. just, like, have it go home? Uh, and I'll pay for it now. Uh, I have long wanted something like that because otherwise you just feel like the trip was wasted. Um, and yeah, I guess it seems they like do, they're considering they, it. 
they used to you what you could do is you could just like go on your phone or go on a computer at their store and order it from the apple store online but mm-hmm. then you can just do that at home right you're not, yeah. you're not really getting anything out of that exactly so, yeah that's smart and, and it's and especially also useful for business for business yeah. lines as well sure, because the, sure. like sometimes those those uh portals don't have everything um right. so you can make the transaction and just have it go and i think mm-hmm. they need this for the vision pro most of all right uh, come in, get fitted, and not necessarily leave with one if they don't have one. Uh, right. But at the very least, you did all the steps, and then you can see it yeah. in two weeks. Yeah, don't waste your time. Yeah, I'm really curious if that's going to be the only way you'll be able to get one, is if you have to go in for a fitting or if you'll be able to do online ordering. I kind of feel like it's so custom mm-hmm. to your face that like they're, you're probably going to have to go into the store to get fitted. Because otherwise, they're going to end up with a ton of returns. Like, oh, I bought the wrong, you know, yeah. bought the wrong face shield size or the wrong strap size or or whatever. Yeah, I'm sure that's going to be the case. Where that I think we there was an article a few weeks ago where it's like that's going to be like a requirement to buy it. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think you can just straight up buy it online. Like, you mm-hmm. have to go in and get fitted. So it's a good experience for right. your thirty five hundred dollars. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because this is not. This is like one of the first products Apple's selling that is not necessarily just a hunking amount of processing power, right? Uh-huh. That you already know what you want, so you're getting it, and you realize that you're spending a lot of money, so you don't you don't need that whole amount of validation. Where this is like a new product, everyone's kind of iffy. I saw a ton of people in the community be like, "Well, I'm probably gonna wait for the cheaper one." Um, and that yeah. is like a strong indicator that Apple probably needs to do something like this for them. Right. So that way they can feel comfortable much like the Apple watch was originally. Right. Yeah, definitely. Oh yeah, that's true. I forgot about that. Yeah. They even had them open in boutiques, which was very weird. <laughs> uh, talking about one last thing that's kind of weird but also very cool you can apparently use an ipad as an external display starting in uh ios 17 or ipad os 17 because you can use a capture card and that capture card will be seen as a camera in facetime for instance that's very cool so if you use a little capture card you can go ahead and plug in your switch to your ipad and have a large ish portable screen um, I was just thinking about this before I saw this article. Like, hey, if I ever need to like work with the Mac Minis I have in my office, I don't have like extra displays to like lug around. It would be so cool if I could just plug in an iPad and be the, have that like detect as a display and a mm-hmm. keyboard and a mouse, like the KVM of uh, portability yeah, yeah. kind of thing. Sure. Um, and this is not quite that, but it is like this in that direction, which I'm mm-hmm. kind of excited to see so maybe one day someone will make a little dongle that you can plug into like a thunderbolt right. thing you can plug into any computer and then the output right. is uh another thunderbolt thing to an ipad uh and they right. have an app that just like transmits everything that would be perfect honestly um so maybe because it is day. funny that people lug around their like thousand dollar ipad and then they also frequently will will buy one of those like foldable like portable USB powered displays. Yeah. Uh, at the same time, and it's like, but I already have a thousand dollar screen in my in my briefcase as it is. Like, why can't mm-hmm. I just use that? So yeah, that's 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 definitely cool. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, 
with this adventure of me buying like three Mac minis from uh, <laughs> Orchard the other a couple of weeks ago, like, you know, it's it is kind of a pain to to plug them in and everything. And it, I was messing around with my Luna displays to uh, connect them that way. And it was it was OK, but you still have to connect it to another display and install Luna install display. Software, yeah. Yeah, I mean it's it's kind of a whole back and forth. So yeah. um, because I do have one iPad on uh, I, iPad OS seventeen, and I have a an Elgato um, capture mm-hmm. card, I'm going to try this out and maybe report back next week and see if nice. it works. The, um, the it's on an Apple Insider article, and they have just this like USB C to HDMI dongle, and maybe the Elgato is a little bit overkill, but. Mm. Uh, yeah, I'll mess around, and the the dongle is like eighteen dollars or something. So if this doesn't work, I'll, I might try theirs. And yeah, that's cool. it's a fun idea, and yeah, especially for something like a Mac Mini where it's like it's headless. There is no display connected, whereas like right. on the Switch, it's like unless you have like the twelve point nine inch uh, iPad Pro, I'm not really sure you're getting that much of the benefit. Yeah, it's um, a little silly for that scenario, but for Mac Minis, like Apple just built perfect. this in. Please have a mode where you can just like turn it into a monitor, keyboard, and mouse, and then just plug it into anything. That would be absolutely wonderful. Yeah. So I'll, I'll try it out and report back. That's, that's a fun idea. Awesome. This week's episode of Code Completion is brought to you by Not Pho. Tired of eating the same old meals time and time again? Consider Vietnamese food. You might already know of pho, but there are a ton of other flavors specific to Vietnamese cuisine that are sadly not well known around the world. This includes everything from sandwiches like banh mi, rice plates like kom tam, and even the deliciously savory crepes known as van sale. That's where the app Not Pho comes in. It's a free-to-try app dedicated to teaching you all about the wonders behind Vietnamese cuisine, brought to life with colorful and interactive illustrations and animations. Learn how to make many classic Vietnamese flavors at home, but even if you don't cook, you'll know how to order it like a pro the next time you visit your local Vietnamese restaurant. Recently news version 1.2, which brought a brand new home screen to the app featuring a recipe of the week and a map of Vietnam, allowing you to start exploring recipes by region as well. Thanks again to NotPho for sponsoring our show. Search for NotPho, that's N-O-T space P-H-O, on the app store today to give it a try completely for free. Uh, So Spencer, I've got a code completion tip for you. Um, And that is that you can use unknown... Uh, unowned, sorry, on properties as well as closures. Um, This is something that I never really thought too much about uh, up Mm -hmm. until I needed to make complex interactions with actors. Uh, And you might be wondering, well, why did actors like force, force your hand to like learn about this new thing? Well, if you use a weak VAR uh, with an actor, that weak VAR is isolated to the actor, meaning that if it, like the reference gets stale, it gets changed to nil because it's a it's a variable, uh, and you have to await any access to a variable because it's an actor. However, with unknown, you can keep it a let, which means that you can mark any properties that access it non-isolated, which means that you don't mm-hmm. need to use await. So you can use non like non uh, I forget what it's called uh, suspending code. Uh, throughout a big chain of multiple actors working together, which I use a ton in uh, Codable Data Store, uh, and Unowned lets you do that. So, nice. Cool. If you very, know very cool. if you know the lifetime is not going to end early, use Unowned. It is much faster. Right. It's a constant, um, and you can use them in actors. That's that's basically it. Nice. Very cool. And I also have a mini review corner for this week. It's not. Too technological, uh, but it is 
marginally technological. It's this blanket from Throwboy, and I probably can't talk with this in front of the mic, uh, but uh, it's in the style of Classic System 7, uh, and I can That's open so it up cool. a little bit more. You just got your Very cool. system hard drive. Um, yes. It's, like, pixel accurate, but it seems like they stretched it, I think, because some, like, pixel lines are too wide. Um, like, on some of the file icons, it's a little weird. Um, so... Uh, that like one caveat aside, I think they needed to do it to make the blanket big enough because the resolution was so small. Um, so like, there's probably good reasons why they did it, but it's a very, very nice blanket. Uh, very like thick and comfortable. Uh, the cat already loves it and she's been all over it. And <laughs> I'm a little afraid because her nails are like pulling out the, the uh, fibers. I'm like, Oh, get off, <laughs> get off my nice blanket. Um, but yeah, that's. That's what I have this week. So if you are also interested in a quilted, uh, pretty expensive but very well-made blanket from Throwboy, go check them out. <laughs> nice. Uh, and finally, we have our completion curiosities for this week. And I'm finally getting to the end of the backlog uh, here. So maybe next week we'll just have like one. Uh, but we still have two. Uh, the first is a Blender camera follow-up. Uh, and I think, Spencer, you shared this. You can now take pictures in blender with this person's camera all the resources are there takes forever to render but he approved it uh he spent most of the video saying he was about to publish it and then uh let me just fix this do this thing like the typical the typical uh software process uh to be honest uh so definitely go check that out uh and then the other one is completely hilarious it's called the free movie it's the b movie but crowdsourced to be redrawn in like crappy drawings. Paint. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it is absolutely wonderful uh, that this exists because you can watch the whole movie frame by frame drawn by random people on the internet. Uh, for the <laughs> most part, it, it it is well done every now and then there's like a penis, but that's the, the nature of <laughs> having the internet. That's what you do get. Things. Um, so yeah, A plus there. Yeah, it made by twenty nine thousand eight hundred or sorry, twenty nine thousand eighty eight uh, people. Wow, uh, worked together to do it. That's uh, pretty nuts. It's a uh, it's like a fever dream, but it's pretty fun. <laughs> and apparently, the next one they're doing is John Wick Four. Yeah, <laughs> it's a little ambitious, but I think it'll yeah. wow, awesome. Yeah. As always, I want to personally thank everyone for listening in this week. Be sure to follow us on mastodon.social at CodeCompletion to know when new episodes go live, and feel free to tweet at us if there's ever a topic you'd like for us to dig into. Most importantly, as a small podcast, please be sure to share this with your friends and family who are also interested in any part of the process of app development. It's your support that enables us to continue doing this, and we hope to grow a healthy community around everything we discuss. Once again, I want to give my thanks to Spencer, who is at Spencer C. Curtis. That's S-P-E-N-C-E-R-C-C-U-R-T-I-S. And Ben, who is at Ferris Guy, that's F-E-R-R-O-U-S-G-U-Y for joining me this week. My name, once again, is Dimitri. You can find me at Dimitri Bunyol. That's D-I-M-I-T-R-I-B-O-U-N-I-O-L. And we'll see you all next week. Bye. Bye.